What did you hang up when you stopped acting? Hanging up the space kit. But luckily, we have now got an exclusive interview. Oh, Sally from Home and Away, Kate Ritchie. Kate, 20 years on Home and Away. Amazing. I mean, what have you learned in that time? I'm on TV. Thanks for your time. The afternoon listeners wouldn't have heard any of your exclusive interviews. Quite amazing. That's actually quite long. Yeah. Good <laughs> morning. I listen to music and then come back with something else. As we do, I'll get this. Oh, thank you very much. The wall. Would that be a bit of ice here? Yeah. And get this. Wow. I'll play off. It's hard to mention it. I wouldn't be trouble. Okay, I've never heard it Okay, it's triple M around the nation. Get this as the program. Your home of accurate information, certainly football information. Yeah. Who's your favourite AFL football? Vince Johnson. Yeah, from Geelong. Yeah. He was the man who gulled uh, a bottle of sunscreen off the back of someone's porch one night. Which was strike two, Tone. Strike three was when he broke his ankle, I think it was, trying to jump the fence to get back into a pub that he closed. Oh, why? How many votes for that guy? He only got all the votes. We've been there. Oh, that round? No middle, no mention, no footage. Well, Darren, how come? I had emailed in to say, uh, playing for uh, Geelong, of course, your favourite footballer and mine, Mr. Sunscreen. <laughs> Please note that Johnson has played the best football of his career this season. Give him a ring. <laughs> okay, also, listen to this. This is the kind of gear we get slipped by our listeners. They just meet us outside in a phone box and slip you the envelope and walk trees. What would be in that envelope? Well, stuff like this. I have a recording of Rex Hunt throwing in a reference and dodgy impression of Blakey from on the buses during the call of a footy game. Email me if you're interested. I think you know we are. How come? You know we are. What about some international news? What have you got for us? Well, it's time to go into current events. Is that right? There was no thing. And I wanted it. Because I wanted like Yeah, we were going to have one, but then you've got it then. So Richard, the one for you. Well, if you didn't tell me which one you would like to Well, current events, just like the international affairs one. It's that big I don't care. If you have a long one, you can have a couple of mouthfuls of sandwich. Very good. Here's current affairs, Steve. Okay. president Armageddon Jackett said in a speech to an American university that there were, quote, no homosexuals in his country. That's right. He later added, could you introduce me to some? I can't find anyone to come and watch hands play with me. Yeah, in the new weekly this week with what appears to be a door sausage. 
a door snag oh, right. around her waist. No, it's just part of Brittany. Give me a look. I would, but I need a funny bit oh, of okay, okay. I'll just stare. Oh, it's not actually that funny. But oh, no, this is good. I'll just stare that off. Okay, thank you. Okay. If you've read the story in your weekly, uh, as you know, people are saying that she deliberately stumbling out of nightclubs drunk. Uh, showing up, uh, you know, slurring her words and being irresponsible because she doesn't want her kid. She wants Kate to play the song. Really? It's a never play. Does that work? Well, that's what it's saying. Tried that one in your family? No, I'm sure someone has. Okay, but uh, anyway, this, this bloke who's, um, well, I can't get away from his name, the angry judge okay. who's been condemning Brittany. Okay. Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Scott Gordon. There's a great quote from uh, Commissioner Gordon will order the fierce uh, boys to be turned over to Kfeds, says an insider. Brittany's erratic behaviour seems to be getting even worse. I'd like to think it was Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> yes, what we need to solve this Brittany's face case is too fine, We're too fine, good, upstanding. That's her solution for everything. But all these policemen have been able to use them. Fine, gentlemen, you're sitting at home. Quality of the men these days. I know you like the blokes in the cave, but these fellas, they're on the payroll, they're not doing anything. That's confused, everybody. Sorry. I just love all those speeches, Commissioner Gordon. What fine, outstanding behavior. He's sitting there and confident, because he's incompetent, and he has to sit there and hear it. It's like he's the, the, you know, the, the little kid that nobody likes. He's the younger brother that's useless, and the older, you know, the older twins are amazing. Who was the bad guy today? It was so baffling, I had to turn it off. It was the green on uh, Foxtel, classics every morning at 8, uh, which is why I get up in the morning. It's uh, Kato was there with the green horn. Oh, I'm from home from another series. Yeah, yeah. And it started with a conveyor belt, which must have gone for 15 minutes. <laughs> and then, you know, how we got out of it? Oh. For some reason, the bad guy came in and went, Well, that man, I know it stuck you to this conveyor belt and you're about to die any second. What would happen if I sprayed this invisible get-out-of-the-conveyor-belt spray on you? What did Batman do? Punch him in the face. Of course he was going to do that. Wasn't Kato from the Green Hornet? It was Bruce Lee. Bruce. So how does Bruce Lee feel in one of them fight scenes? Cardboard box fight scenes. How do you do better? Quite you. Keep your mask on. It was called the Kato Show in China. Oh, really? Fantastic. It was called the Commissioner Gordon Show. My house. man. We got more out of them. Of course, we have it. Get this. Uh, 
me and me. Yeah. I'm just going to show you. You have not seen this photo of Courtney Love yeah. in the new. Oh, oh, is there one? In the NW. Okay. okay. I'm going to show it to you live on air. Check that out. Stop bitching about your face, Courtney. That one's put a wig on a lizard. <laughs> <laughs>
See, Gargamel is apparently a wizard. Well, he used to be a smurf, didn't he? That's what I heard. And he was flying to an evil wizard. You heard it. Flying who? Chat forum. Did you hear that? We're around the campfire. Which got on? Which, uh, it's a forum? Which golf club is this? No, I heard the Gargamel was previously a smurf. His backstory. Yeah. And that was why he was always trying to seek revenge because he was bad. You know how many of them are? And also, why would you go after smurfs when they're looking under delicious mushrooms? The mushrooms, surely. Look, here we go. Gargamel is a wizard. At, at, at the very least, he's an alchemist. He wants to smurf for two reasons. Apparently, well, first, because they're absolutely delicious. Yeah, okay. right. And secondly, because apparently he's got this mixture where he's going to make gold. And he needs smurf, smurf one of the ingredients. Mm. Just reminded of the football finals are coming up. <laughs> Your smurf connection. But my point is, look at this on Triple A. Clearly, the pastry chef one would be the most delicious because he's cream filled. Mm. Right? Then hefty because he works out he'd be nice and lean. Okay. Right? Papa would be all chewy. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Richard reckons that the tastiest smurf would be smurf air. So that's what we do. This is a filth moment. I can't it like that. So what we're going to do today is rank the smurfs in order of deliciousness. And this is not a phone call. That's a dump now where I come from. The phone topic today is dodgy school trips. Oh, dodgy school trips. Have you been online? No, but someone was a friend of mine was telling me that they live in the country. And they got brought to the the major capital near their country town on a school trip. Two places: the lost dogs' home <laughs> and the council commission flats. Just to show them, I'm not the turner. Don't end up living in in housing commission. Yeah. All right, year eleven kids. Don't end up being a dog with no collar. All right. This is where you'll end up. Yay. So this is that was a warning for them. Okay, that's a pretty sorry school trip. Not fun. Apparently, people were in tears. People were in tears when they got to the dog home. Asking, oh, are we here because we're going to get a dog? No, no, you just need to see what happens to the lost dog. Don't worry, kids. I'll cheer you up. Let's go to Wentworth Towers. Have a look at who Scott's been broken into. Well, uh, we used to go on pretty dodgy school trips in Tears, New Zealand. I mentioned Tears on the show today, guys. I'm sure nobody would remember the Rendesmus or Rendezvous Motel. So many emails. Oh, really? Scott Mansfield just won't say it's still there in Topu. Very funny name for a town when you're a kid. Now it's a fun thing, Topu. Okay, good to know. We, uh, the school trip, the standard school trip was, uh, hey kids, let's just go to Coromandel, which is just a small town further up the, uh, the coastline. You go look at the milk bar with the rusting tins of Raro pineapple section oh, in the window. But one day, Near the end of 1976, we went to Coromandel, they were making a movie. Wow. Yeah, nobody even made movies in New Zealand. Turned out to be the first movie made in like 50 years was called Sleeping Dog. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Neill, Warren Oates was in it. Oh, really? It came out to New Zealand to be in it. Sam Neill's first feature-length film. They're doing this absolutely piss-weak car chase to the end of the film through the town of Coromandel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, about 15 years after that, a friend of mine calls me up from New Zealand and goes, you know, Sleeping Dog's is out on the you know, videotape now. Mm. If you go to that car chase at the end and you freeze frame during one of the whip pans, you can see our flask reflected in the shop window. Oh, wow. a sleeping dog. This is true. I've never confirmed it, but he reckoned it was. Now, this was made by Roger Donaldson. He went on. Oh, I so did no way out. And that one, Dante's Peak. Oh, I know. He's come on Matt Malloy, old radio show to promote Dante's Peak. Mm. And I'm going, Hi, uh, I was in your first movie. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, he nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to have to go back and freeze frame it. Wow. So that was a piss week 
school trip. Yeah, it turned yeah. into a movie trip. Cinema girl, amazing. Getting really passes by. Sleeping, sleeping dog. Uh, yeah, I was also in a medic passerby in an episode of Mercury. That's right. Your latest knowledge, Mr. Mullins, on terrible school trips. Uh, well, lots in uni, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, we had to go to a funeral home. And right. it was because so we could get used to the idea of, oh, yeah, the same thing. This is where you don't want to end up here. <laughs> Pretty much, but everyone does. And no, because it was, I was studying journalism, and we had to sort of familiarize ourselves with death. But it was just a full day of it. So we not only went to the funeral home, we went to the morgue, also to the factory where they make coffins. <laughs> For some reason. And yeah. then the Wigbrook concert. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just a horrible day. Rather depressing. Also, we went to a beer farm as a kid. And hey, that's better. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of exciting. But the majority of kids found the dead deer that was washing and all that. It was more exciting than his mother. Reason, getting a lot more hits. Can I just ask, which is at the funeral home during the embalming process? Is it true they remove your brain? Yeah, yeah. They do? I didn't talk me through that. Because mm. someone told me that they do that. Mm. So, how exactly do you get buried alive? <laughs> and they go, oh, I've woken up. They buried me too early. Surely the lack of brain would be a bit of a handicap. Right. You're not going to be chipping out of your own coffin. Zombie movie makers, beware. Don't go on there. Song brain. It's not going to work. Well, let's cheer it up a bit as we've got Hey, Neil, how are you? 
Yeah. You know it yourself? Yeah, excellent. Where'd you go? Uh, we went to some crappy old sugar cane mill factory.
going to get Rodney Roode on next year. I reckon he'd be great in um, that show. I reckon he'd be great at 7.30. I'd love to see how much we could show. I'd love to see. I mean, you obviously have to take a break from his frog sack tour. Just finish his your mum's thumb tour. Thank you, Mr. Roode. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, everyone, that called in. There was a lot going on in that last It's great. Cool, but hey, we've got to move this caravan on. Everyone will get some kind of prize from the prize. And in the next hour, you mentioned things like it's been nice to take you away from our last Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty excited to hear from this film. 
weird of all things that I want to talk about. Uh, now, what are we plugging him for? Back into your files. Now, files. The same files. I had a statement on midday with Ray. Uh, Martin, midday show was here, so it was on at lunchtime. I throw it in and word and word. And, uh, yeah, they had a same file. And then they'd give me articles from kind of crappy magazines there. And then you'd see the photos would come up and you'd make up a story. So it wasn't a bad job, actually. Without the photos, that's pretty much uh, get this triple M. Two to four, I think. So the files, uh, oh, not the files, what do you call it? The tape, the masters of the midday show, do they still all exist, do you think, somewhere at nine? Or do they oh, they would I imagine they would, because I think it was prior to that that they wiped out all Graham Kennedy's stuff and run it to Melbourne to nine. Because I thought, you know, we needed the, I don't know, infomercial. Probably, yeah. Richard Wilkins, just to say, much of what I'm thinking. But, you know, Andrew McCarter comes on this show, he's an archaeologist of old Australian TV shows, just being able to track down things that didn't even go to air, like oh, the two-way mirror, oh, what he has been unable to find are the master types of how you're being served down under with yourself right. and John Inman. Now, that was only called how you're being served. Oh, since yeah. that time, um, we now call it how you're being served down under because it's funny. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Surely there was a down under on the end. No. But they used to do this thing back then when they get the, the British sitcom. They yeah. bring out one of the stars. We love that. And kind of do an Aussie version. And our version was John Inman, who was the, the, the Mr. Humphrey. Mr. Humphrey. Are you Humphrey? We've got it somewhere in the computer. He's a legend in, in the show that brought him out. And the story was that he'd come out to the Australian kind of sibling development. That makes sense. I think it was called Great Brothers. Over there, it was called Bone Brothers. Yeah, it was Bone Brothers. Bone Brothers. I never thought of that. And the head of it was just a bone, and he'd be shaking, and he had a blonde earth, and all that kind of stuff. And then you tell the same guy that John Inman, Mr. Humphrey, taught you the method of walking funny. Well, he taught one particular style, which was his style. Yeah, right. Which was that little kind of, you you punch at the knees. Yeah, okay. You don't swing your arms. It's a bit quite theatrical. He's taught you to wedge a coin between your butt cheeks. Yeah. He's coined up the coin. I did want to mention this. I'm free!
station chain boarded with us. Don't forget the Thank God You're Here season finale tonight on Channel 10 at 7.30. Mm. Also see in the city homicide. Well done, Bordy. I know that's uh, been signed up for a second series. Am I right there? You are right. And that's really good news for Australian drama in general. All right, let's not uh, beat around the bush. There have been a lot of letters to the editor lately from people who have obviously never seen you in fantastic mode. Yeah, I could notice that. And they're quite surprised. Yeah, no. You know, seriously, I mean, NBA, great show. You went through a firewall for that. Yes, I did. But it wasn't widely seen. Let's be honest. Let's be broadly frank. It was on the ABC, and it was um, an acquired taste and uh, discerning audience. That's right. And both of them. You had been doing the series acting for a long time. I remember in the late 80s, you started to show up in the uh, series theatre on stage. Yes, I did. And everyone in comedy were going, what's the upset? It's never happened before. Can that, can that happen? Can that crossover occur? Yeah. Well, it, it did for a while. Yeah. And then I thought, what am I doing? So how did you make the leap from uh, performing in My Bare Lady, doing the gag work, to the proper acting? How did that change happen? Well, when I started off, it wasn't you didn't go, I'll, I'll, I'll create a career in comedy. You couldn't really make it. Well, well, no, you, you just had to, because the comedians were probably ex-singers or actors or yeah. Or something, so it was more. I just wanted to get into scopies and the fastest way without having to go to kind of college because I didn't want to study drama was to go down to the George Hotel and ask Mr. Ludum, who ran by there ladies, and he said, I'm going to I'll put you on between the Mighty Adam and Jeanette Blue Girl. And that's what she did very kindly. Did you do a bit of downstairs work? Yes, I did. But upstairs, the effect that came after, upstairs, I remember the very first night, tuxedo, plastic shoes. I'm at seven dollars because they used to wear patent leather, which was shiny. Couldn't get them, they were plastic. And I think the audience picked up on that. So the first words I ever heard on stage were, get off your foot! So I wasn't phased. And I think I've told you this story before, but I'm, I'm, I did not tell you that Art, very kindly, Art Luden, who was the company, would be in the wings on the off-stage mic. Yeah, well, they were yelling at me, going, shut up, come on, shut up, give the young fellow a chance, shut up, come on, boys. Which was kind of weird for the time. Uh, it was a girl. So he'd kind of, he'd just whack him in the chat. And the whole man, apart from one woman in the corner, was really short hair in a suit. Yeah. Of course, but then, as you mentioned, uh, downstairs, later on, purely coincidental, um, there was a job going as a team game. Um, and I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a rough old bar. Back then, I felt that the bouncers were, it was extraordinary thing. To get in, you, you walk through an old turn style. Yeah. And there were two bouncers. There was an old bloke who had the white shirt and a bow tie, kind of balding gray hair. And he had his hand perpetually kind of bandaged. And we thought that must have been from, you know, a nasty accident. Until I saw him uh, on one particular occasion stop the turnstile, which he could do with a pedal, and thump the bejesus out of this folk who was caught in the turnstile, and the guy just dropped. But obviously he's got a knuckle duster on the you're not coming in. I'll tell you, there were all sorts, all sorts used to get in there. What kind of change were you spinning, boy? Yeah. I was spinning anything from uh, Backman Turner Overdrive to Fuzzy Potro. Oh, yes, the back of the It was, you know, the quo, the quo, the quo, because that's what they were into. And if I was if I was find the right thing, I would know about it. <laughs> the interesting story was I had two turntables. It was all just hands, you know, yeah. record on and around and you go from Backman Turner to Overdrive. 
There's another bouncer there, but Kenny's name is a tattoo of a crucifix on his forehead. Oh, yeah. Randy's name is Randy Snakey and dot, 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 cut here. Oh, okay. And he came out to me, not one. Yeah, he said, why? From about nine. I only use my turntable, but I had only set up ready to go as soon as I saw that first song tickle over the bloody doorway. So, you know, as soon as I died, it lasted a few weeks. Uh, that was fun for you. Okay, so then that world, when was the first time you found yourself doing what you would call proper acting? <laughs> you know, you're on stage. I get the counter. I would say, uh, Let's do a bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, I was in the UK, and, and years ago, if he went away, people would think, gee, he's actually pretty good. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've seen for a while. But he's yeah. not here. Yeah. We'll give him back. <laughs> he's not allowed to do that. Okay. Um, and I came back and worked for the Melbourne Theatre Company doing two plays, uh, one of which was Hurley Burley. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Um, and um, that was probably, you know, the first big hit out. Wow. Um, and that was fantastic. Meanwhile, I was doing a little bit of breakfast radio at the same time. On Bert, uh, Bert Kitchen was managing a radio station. Well, a man station called 3DB, and it was filled with a new beginning. And it became the big ending today. About six weeks. Do you ever find that conflict still happening? I mean, you're on the set homicide, do you find yourself just opening doors and giving yeah. a bit of your world away? Yeah. It's a suspect that's being led in for questioning. Have you ever dropped one of those? Well, yeah, a little bit of that. And I'm expecting to say, well, when we turn up in the car, I'll do a bit through the door. I'm waiting for a thing. Thank you. Surely they could squeeze right in. Oh, look, so much to get to. So, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Bingles. <laughs> but we've got it. Hey, maybe that'll fit into our next segment, which is called you call that entertainment? Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get this. This is the John Butler Trio, Better Than Here, Around the Nation on Triple M. Shane Bourne is sitting in with us today. Um, we just received a note from a listener, uh, Leslie, who said she once saw a band called Bandicoot. Oh, yeah. Featuring a fabulous harmonica player and leopard skin pan. Yep. That was you. Oh, well, I thought I was. I didn't play the harp back then. I don't know what the hell I was doing. But uh, yeah, there was a band called Bandicoot, which was myself and a singer by the name of Nick Pettis, so who was ex Ladder Lake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big in Melbourne. 10-pound toothbrush, was that there? I had a nine-pound. I had a with the memorable lyrics, no, 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 so the collector's items, I've had people come up to me yeah. and go, guess what? I've got, you know, blah, 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 usually bottles. Yeah. And uh, I did see it you know, all that long ago in a, in a kind of Woolworth 
a man who just steps out of a copper and gets back in. pretty good. That's the best of them so far. You call that entertainment. Call up with your one. One triple three five three. They employ up to 600 girls. Around the nation on Triple M Production, and everybody, Shane Bourne is with us. Thank God you're here. Final left for the series. The bumper shock is filled one. That goes out tonight, 7.30 on Channel 10. But let's lower the bar for entertainment. Do you want to be, uh, you want to see how low we can go, Shane? Now you call that entertainment. Who's going first? Good day, Nick. How are you going, guys? Hey, good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Talking through the dodgy entertainment. Yeah, well, I think I was about grade six at the time. We're in a uh, theatre group. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used to. Um, do the tour, a big tour, yep. and one part of our act was we'd have about five year six students in a wheelie bin. Oh, and uh, what would you do in this wheelie bin? Well, a guy dressed up as a janitor mm-hmm. would wheel wheel a bin out in the middle of the uh, where everyone was standing and just sort of leave it there and walk away. Mm-hmm. And then the music to 2010 A Space Odyssey oh, yeah. start playing. Yeah. And one person would hop out the bin, sort of walk around, like it was sort of like a new, coming to a new world sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And after about the third one, everyone would sort of go, oh, how many more? And then the fourth one. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the fifth one would come out and people would be, you just leave the bin there for five or ten minutes and people would wait for another person to come out. Pretty good. Pretty good, Thank you. 
medical legal drama, as I recall it. Yeah, it's pretty complex when you look at it on paper. Let's get the medical insurance. Yeah. But I've got to say there's some really good work in it. Oh, sure. Some interesting ethical dilemmas. See, you might say that, but we've got our own medical drama here. Yeah. Okay. Sort of like Dr. House, you know, because, you know, he's anti-social. Qualities that normally people don't like, yeah. but because he's a brilliant doctor, people like him. So we've gone down that path. Coming As a diagnostic surgeon, I've never come across a case like this. We're getting no response, Doctor. Damn it. Google it again. It has to be something out there. Doctor, the patient's showing me this emulsion. Why do you know? I don't know. What do you think, KG? Well, see what you think of this.